0: Yes, what a show we've got today. We've got the bald couple. Sorry, that's the odd couple of Scottish football. <laughs> How are we doing, lads? It doesn't sick. get any better than that, I won't
2: hold that first joke. Take it away with That
0: been oh, eh? I'm so nervous. Dave. I you actually
2: to. made a complete cunt of it. It's <laughs> well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so nervous than you used to, by mate. Usually that sort Why? of matter goes down. Why are you nervous? It's the first people that I've done that have actually got a couple of brain cells between them. No, oh, right. And, true, and actually, your own man. right
2: for the start than rather just coming off the bench for the last ten minutes, eh? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what I want to say is... Hugh MacDonald, your good pal, told yes. us that you're two of the
0: cleverest
3: men he's ever met. He's a genius. He's exactly. actually a visionary.
2: He's a great yeah. judge of character. Yeah, what he'll, uh, he, he'll do to he get in our second show for a <laughs> minute. I think, I think he must mean there are different uh, layers of cleverness. Certainly mine uh, would not be academically. I, 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 I get more grades in my hires, but Stuart fool knows... Um, Pulled out of uh Napier College by it was a phrase that all oh, the footballers using. Yeah. Mutual consent. Saint, yeah. When, you know I was nie, when I wasn't really paying attention to my studies and so because of that I wasn't much used to it and they were getting fed up, wondering where I was for lectures and everything. So um, that was it. So I I left the college by mutual consent, rather. Unlike Stuart who's been at how many houses of education? I I'm think, think
3: I've probably got about Six, maybe seven degrees, Tam, something right like that. There they go. Yeah, PhDs and all that. Golf. I'm getting another one next summer in
2: Hull, where I went to university, so they've asked me to come for an see. honorary fellowship. And I will get two old grades, yeah. woodwork and arithmetic. The only job I could get after school was making rulers. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> right?
2: See, that's a joke. You try ones like
0: that. <laughs> see, uh, see, outside uh, off the ball, what sort of stuff do you speak about? Is it Football
2: or is it much more BBC contracts? Stuff? Is the main one. Well, you know them, what? You know what? Stuart will back me up in this. We'll our, our chat uh, out with off the ball. Basically, involves when we're having a cup of coffee in the Saturday morning before we start talking about the show because we'll have that wee bit of chat about any gossip that's been happening, what's been happening with Middlesit and Johnston, anything we've heard the MD for the BBC's been up to, and then we'll go up the stairs and then we'll go through all the notes that I bring in for the week and then we'll decide what we're going to talk about. And then after the shows, uh, we say our farewells at seven o'clock outside the BBC. And our main contact during the week would
3: be if there's some dick on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) He lurks on it, and I'm on it by the time,
2: so I'll turn around and say, you clocked
3: this, right? And I
2: invariably (laughs) have. uh, (laughs) But I think that's maybe uh, what keeps uh, the show going as long, because like you say... Some folk with marriages that last forever and it's because a couple, they don't live in each other's pockets. Maybe the guy or the woman work away and they maybe go weeks and then without seeing them, they be hang. God, they've lasted forever. Sixty mm. years married, my no, Maybe it's the same thing we us on the show. You don't get sick of the sight of one another. So you're gonna go a bit with the Dennis and Young team? No, no. no I mean, he I mean, barely comes over there. If we much more posh. No. It's, not it's, not it's like, like out the, the Nakadar yeah. Grill. Yeah. The last time I was in Dennis, And probably in the odd time it would actually hook up. It would invariably involve a, a curry and the a curry winks or something. Living the dream.
0: Yeah. Right, we always ask footballers how they made it. How did you snow make it? He's hopeless.
3: Football. At football? Yeah. yeah. Well, I played primary school football for the school. I went to a secondary school, which is Perth Academy, where football was kind of frowned upon. It was a rugby school. Rugby, yeah. played rugby for the school, basketball, volleyball. And I, I did a wee bit of kind of, in, in the Perth area, they called city boy football. And then when I went down to university in Hull, I played for the university. But I never really... I wasn't, I'm not trying to claim that I was any good. I wasn't very good. Uh, I could play, but I wasn't very good. My only claim to fame... My only claim to fame in the footballing pitch was that I was at university with a guy called Tony Galvin and he signed for Spurs, right? He was studying Russian at the time at Hull University. And as part of his deal, he'd moved from the university to a team called Gould Town. They were a big uh, local team in the Hull area and then down to Tottenham Hotspur. And as part of that deal, the university team got to play Gould Town in what was really a fundraiser for the university uh, team. And I played on that day and the center forward for Gould Town was who? take a guess of all the people that have <laughs> lit up Scottish football Charles Green of Rangers oh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Aye. he was the striker for Gold Town. Was he any Town. good? he was actually a very very good player you'd be surprised he was one of these guys you know how you get guys that have actually got a lot of kind of beef about them a bit of uh, pace and whatever so he was their striker he was pretty yeah. good yeah. Pretty and what good. position was, did you play? oh well I was actually that day playing as a quality sweeper I was the stat Pat Stanton of the team you
2: know, <laughs> Char- Charles Green's career though blighted with injuries and you know all that. He used to get Jim White at the boat <laughs> <laughs> Jim would only have been about 14 at the time yeah. What uh, about you Well you're saying uh, we never made it I got, I got a call this morning for Steve Clark I <laughs> think <laughs> 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 yeah, I've still got something to offer uh, I haven't watched that last night But no, I had one similar story to Stuart Primary school with me uh, And the boys brigade Were the two teams I played with And I eventually chopped it When the eyes started to go and uh, one memorable instant, I had been playing with the BBs. Uh, we were playing, actually, in what was a grass park, which has now been really, really tarted up at Braidhurst High School in Marble for the football academy, Academies, where yeah. they've got really, really top-end facilities. Once upon a time, it was just a grass park there. We played our BB games there. And uh, we were playing this company. My eyes were starting to go. And I was kind of like the old-fashioned right half, a number four jersey in my back. Uh, and the eyes were starting to go, and at one point, it was a wee player on our team, just a wee guy it was in the BBs, Rob Monroe, who uh, stayed just up the road for me in Jerry and Motherwell, uh, and he was doing injured. And there was boys that were there watching the other BB team that we were playing. At one point, I'm watching this, and a guy who was watching it, wee Rabs doing the grun, chucked a half brick at him. Right? A BB game, right? Well, I went as a cap, I was the captain of the team, and I charged in, and the referee. I went, yeah. I, I swore, he shouldn't you never swear in the BBS games, right? Mm. And I said, did you know F and see that, you know? And right away, red card, red card, out, bad language off the pitch, and I get sent off. And as I'm walking by, I'm not to see how weird I was. My eyes, the half bracket had been thrown on it, it was a wet sponge, which, <laughs> <laughs> even <laughs> 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 very kindly, very kindly thrown on to help him. And I thought, oh, that's me. My eyes are fucked. I'm, yeah. I'm it. Uh, uh, he's blah, a both
0: blah. well-known supporters, Motherwell, St Johnston. Yeah. What got you into supporting those teams and avoiding the big two?
3: Just just life. Um, I, I grew up in Perth. I grew up, I could see uh, Merton from a uh, bedroom window. My, uh, my dad died when I was a young boy and he was a big St. Johnson fan. Uh, but uh, my uncle Billy, who kind of became... If you like my kind of surrogate or adopted dad, he um he, he looked after me and he was a mad, mad keen St Johnson fan. And when, you know, when St Johnson were away and he couldn't get there, he'd go and see Gene Swift's. Just one of these guys that would always well, go for a live her. game, you know. And uh, he would to- take me through the age of uh, maybe age of like about eight or six or eight, maybe something like that. And then uh, my cousin Russ, who ended up playing for our growth and breaking in teams like that. We would go together to other games, but it was always St. Johnson. And often that was, you know, I was actually looked in a history book of the team and I remember uh, it would be about 61 an away game and we'd drawn Queen of the South in the cup And I remember my mum saying, no, that's far too far. That's far too far. This is ridiculous. And my dad worked for the Cope and he would this big lorry and he was taking St Johnson fans on the back of the lorry down to Dumfries, right? And I remember, uh, we must have been about Stirling Way. We were out of Perth anyway and I peed (coughs) myself, right? I was a wee boy and I wet my pants and the humiliating thing was that they took my jeans off so I was sitting in the uh, cab you Know with they just the un- naked with the that is that, this is what they tell the police when they <laughs> arrived, anyhow. Right? And, and here, here's, my, here's my uncle Billy holding up the stinking jeans at the radiator. Remember them old radiators at the front of a lorry, things that would catch yeah. flies and things like that. Yeah. They were drying my pants and they, well, it was cringe making, but that was it was a one win draw as well. So uh, we got them back to Perth and whipped and,
2: and essentially yeah, I was the same. It's or, support your local team. Mm-hmm. That's that. Stuart did it with St John's. Was your family mother? Of uh, my dad was. My dad had. My dad always even comes and goes with the football. The point. Uh, I'll give you a good example. My dad liked good football, like guys. in my dad's vintage was, and he was blessed uh, with, with a lot of great Middlesbrough teams of the past, can back to Ansel Babes, and all teams like. That. And you know what? A uh, uh, guy I never need any excuse to talk about. My dad literally went back to supporting Middlesbrough when we signed David Cooper, mm-hmm. because my dad liked good football, and suddenly you were getting it with him. And when he teamed up with Bobby Russell in the midfield. You were watching the kind of stuff we hadn't seen for years at Motherwell. So, um, my dad drifted in and out of football, but he absolutely encouraged me to go and see my team. And again, like Stuart, for my back door model, I could see the, the floodlights at Far Park. Always intrigued you for you were out playing with your pals at whatever hunts or kicked the can or whatever it might have been. Those days, and you could see oh look the big glow in the sky and that's Far park and it. It was like seeing like the you know where the wizard was love that you think I wonder what's up there when you're wee. And then you'd gradually get Gallus Alice and you would got with your. We kids know that, you know, you can't go to your street and you can't go doors around that. But we, we would go up and then you'd start the classic thing of getting the lofter. which uh, I see no reason why they couldn't still do that at clubs, particularly clubs like ours, where regularly there are acres of empty seats. You know, and you don't need to bring in rules and regulations about one kid per adult and uh, with an adult it's two pounds. Just don't negate let the winds in or let them get a lofter and say there's hundreds oh, of the empty seats, you know, feel free. And they'll, they'll buy season tickets when they're older, you know. So it was as simple as that for me growing up then. Motherwell's my local team. I, I, I really don't like the idea that you folk that support a football team if it's based on religion or how many trophies they've won. I just kind of see the, the, the point in that. I thought it, doesn't, it doesn't give you any great feeling for the club and it's, it's something that you'll always have for, for your entire life, I think, you know, supporting your local team. And how, how different the landscape of Scottish football might be yeah. if every day uh, yeah. did that you know and yeah. I was always taken by the thing that was in Frank Skinner's autobiography it was a bit that I'm talking about being a West Brom fan and he said that as far as he's concerned when it, when, when it comes to what football team you support he says you should basically be able to take out a map and a ruler uh, and look at your house in the map and just see where the nearest football team is mm. and say that's my team and you know it'd be very interesting if mm. they did that mm. you know and that's to the point that that even the, the, the only regret I think that me and Stuart Will ever have maybe regrets too strong a word when it comes to 25 years we've done the show. Is that uh, you, 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 we must out a, a hell of a lot of games, yeah, like you do. Know, yeah. That, yeah. Stuart, yeah. particularly with the, the be, thankfully the geography, the BBC. Being in Glasgow and my team being in Merle twelve miles down the road, I can get in between our shows to all the home games, right? That's yeah. fine. I'll leave ten minutes early just to get into the car park, get away, beat the traffic. But that's good because it means even in the way back in, I've got the radio and I can hear about all the other games taking that place that day. Yeah. and mm. you're up to speed for doing the show at night. Mm. Away games, I'm very selfish, like even when you're even just at this time of day, I'm hoping for a deep frost. Mm-hmm. And a Saturday, too, you know, right, yeah. and again, maybe uh, Aberdeen or that getting cancelled and, and Tuesday on a, a Tuesday night yeah, yeah. oh, and make yeah, a day, yeah. maybe even stay night get a wee bevy. That, that just seems sensational, but it doesn't happen often enough. Yeah. Stuart gets times where I'll get a St. Mirren,
3: Hamilton, that, Motherwell, Ibrox, Parkhead. But, and they're often moved to Sunday's, some of those games anyway. So I'll get to all of them, uh, but you're, so you're struggling. To, you're, you're well, ideal I'm league. really
2: struggling for Pataudry and struggling. Your ideal league would be and, uh, Celtic Rangers. Well, oh, the Dundee team's Benut's
3: good news. Benut, aye. Celtic, <laughs> <you'd want>
2: Celtic <laughs> Rangers, Motherwell, Hamilton, St. Martin. Albion Rovers. Albion Rovers. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rovers. Uh, Kilmarnock. Uh, it's not too bad. You can just about do that. You need that. So an Albion? Airdrie. But the yeah, thing is, we yeah, don't just you don't, to do Sterling You know, Arby, we're yeah. not in there playing dominoes or anything. I settled if we kind of get to the game because we're, we're fortunate in the respect that you can watch the games coming into the building, Listen so you can you. always sit and watch. Uh, no, you don't even need to do that. You <laughs> can you can just sit and watch <laughs> the the games without any commentary. Yeah. Comment and, uh, and what kind well, of fans are you? He, are you shout-bullers <laughs> and shouters? Are you booers? Oh, I'm in ba- Bert Payton. I'm, oh, I'm sure. I'm sure Bert Payton is, is in right. He was at Dumfelling yeah. for a while. Dear old Bert Payton, a great player these days, a Fife legend, a Dumferman legend, synonymous for wearing the bonnet when he was at Dunfermline. I think he probably just Synonymous for being the number two at St Johnson under Alec Torrance. See, there they go. And I think he just kind of maybe preceded Jimmy Calderwood. He did die. Yeah, yeah. But Bert was, there. and I did Bert by that point on the on the radio waves, he'd been on the telly and everything. And uh, at one point, there was um, uh, a mother player. Went into the box. We're playing the films. A midweek game, and we're just up to the left as I'm watching it. Muller um, player went into the box, and it was a, a Saint Johnston, Johnston. sorry, Saint Johnston. So had player went right and sized and brought him right down penalty, you know. And Bert Payton was out, and he's shouting, and you know. And I, I, I says, right Something was he blind?" And I remember I just and you know, says, "Are you fucking blind, you Daft Bonneted, old daft." You know. And I just and it was. He must have heard every word. And he turned round and it was, it was just a strange kind of wee moment because he turned round and he looked at me and he saw me and he says, I was shouting at my own defender time. <laughs> <laughs> he was raging at his guy down with a stupid challenge That's when he was in really need for it and conceded a penalty and I just kind of went back. Well, it <laughs> Sorry, i not mean, that Can't stuff I me. Mean, it's the best place to settle. We, we used to always have to, we didn't have to, we chose to stand behind the goals at my all me and all my pals. That was where we always congregated. And then when they were renovating the Park part and doing all the stands and all seating and all the rest of it, we thought, right, if we they have to get a seat, at least let's get a good one, where we can see all the game and all that. So it's, it's perfect. So you're in amongst yeah. it, you're not proud of it. Oh, no, I never, no, no, oh, never, 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 ever, ever take Never, no. No. You know, no. No. Never once in my life. We, we always I get asked, the last time I got asked was by... Uh, we it's Fabel Sal and he was involved in the Players Union. And he's playing with Clyde still. John Rankin, we John Rankin, right? Mm. John Rankin. It was the last time we had him on our show. Another uh, time we got on the Clyde gig. Right. Remember? Aye, they call was on. Wild we're, wild here. we're always good friends that comes on our show for out of work. We'll get you a gig. <laughs> and the best example of that was John Rankin. He was on our show, and we were saying you're available for work. Oh, absolutely, I'm still keep myself in good shape. And one of the Clyde directors contacted the show while we are on here, saying could you get John to give me a call and the next thing he'd sign the contract you know. No. brilliant he's, he's, not he's not a guy, guy, he short he man in you? fact he's featured in one of our best ever limericks there was a young man called Rankin <laughs> 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 yes, <laughs> <I>. but, <laughs> but he one day was on our show remember us and I came up to the first, uh the, the car park at Morraville that's the only thing I ever take out the club I gave the club plenty space. I asked for a space in the big car park so that it's time, it's just a time. I can't be, By the time I arrive after the first show, I can't be driving in all the streets in Mullerville, trying to get parked and I'll miss the game, and then when I get out, I don't want a big long walk, and I'd never see the second half evening again. So they allow me to excuse me into the car park, and that's fine. But, once such day, I've parked the motor, I'm going to to get into a season ticket, but taking out my season book, when it was a book, it's now just a wee credit card thing, and John Rankin's walking up with one of his boys, mm. and he's clearly heading for the same gate, which is also the complimentary gate. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And he said to me, He says, where are you going?' As if, shouldn't yeah. you be coming down, in here? The right? red carpet rolled yeah. out, and you got yeah. there, there were three course. I No, 'No, I'm just this is where we're getting my season ticket.' Yeah. And he couldn't fathom that you would have a season ticket and you'd put money into your club, and that's the only mm. way for them mm. that ever says to us, it could be a message board it could be a manager that's listening to something you've said in the show what gives you the right to say that I say the only right the only thing that gives me the right is that I'm a paying punter I've always paid my money I'm entitled to my opinion end of and the minute you stop doing that then that's, that's it you're done yeah. so, so I you, go to
3: the east stand at St Johnson so I'm I mean you buy a season the ticket and sometimes you don't half get the games you you know, yeah. and you know I don't go to the main stand where the you know the hospitality is so I'm at the other end of the ground beautifully positioned actually on the halfway line and one of the reasons why my ticket's there is I can look right down onto the uh, edge of the halfway line and uh, my uncle Billy who brought me up is buried there and that's oh, he really. always had his seat quite near there Ashes, as well. so ashes Is that, that, uh, He's ashes he's not
2: fucking buried <laughs> that, that would be gross <laughs> <laughs> a, a buried no, not physically you know, buried he, a he sliding tackle on a Monday day, I, day I, not It's
3: strange gone. you should say that right there was a game of was that it was only about okay, it was late, later part of last season and there was somebody, you know how fans hate when somebody tries to steal yards at a throw-in, right? <laughs> oh and he's going, <laughs> this guy was going absolutely you at somebody, I can't even remember who it was now, and he says, the ball went out where bullies buried, and he's <laughs> fucking away up the other half. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, so what I've took for that is you'll take nothing off St Johnston and Motherwell, but you'll charge me a fortune for an interview right now, but it's uh, next uh, A Fortune? A fortune? Flashers. <laughs> t- yeah. <laughs>
2: definition of a fortune. been a fortune He'd been a player we'd heard of. <laughs> yeah. Right, somebody had maybe done something in the top flight. Well, I can like, 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 hun- get you on Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, we're going back to your, uh, going to your
0: media. How you's got the media? You wrote right. jokes. I you did. Said at the minute got got read it on Radio Four, which was right. it always comedy that you on Wikipedia. Great
2: <laughs> <Creating> reception. <research. Right. laughs> uh, I I always enjoyed a laugh a joke and a carry on. So when I was in sixth year at the high school, I had got. Uh my exams and all I wasn't a swat at the school. I was joking early about the two old grades, but I got my old grades, I got my hires, ran to sixth year, had today son, I did six year studies English and history, and our English department was starting to wee writers' workshop, as they called it, to get local adults to come in and take part in things. They needed some pupils to go along, didn't they didn't the uniform to be there and all that. Um I went along and well, photo writing, wee short stories and stuff like that. I was writing we we uh, sketches and wee topical jokes and all that. English teacher sent some of them into shows on in Radio 4 and Radio 2. Some of them get used, became a big deal, gave me a wee, uh, a, a wee feeling for it. And that's what I was kind of doing when I should have been studying at Napier College, but I was sending jokes away to well before your time, like Little and Large and Hailing and Pace. You would naked radio in Scotland, naked video Scotch and Rye. Only an excuse, I was honoured to have had some stuff on that when it was the old audio tapes when that was in its infancy, particularly because I was into fat, but it was a big, big thrill. The producer-creator stroke of that, Phil Differ, was instrumental in, in giving me a wee start and stuff. Uh, so I was doing all that and then that got me into a column with the Evening Times, 1990, which at a time when fanzines were hugely popular, every club had their own print edition fanzine, I was writing that kind of style of stuff in a strip column the Evening Times. Uh, that became two columns a week after a year, then three columns. That was kind of like your job. And then it was through that the producer in the original, if you like, first year off the ball, uh spotted oh, that and says, Oh, trying this. And then by the time you were doing the paper and off the ball, in 98, then I get the move for the Evening Times to the Daily Record. And then in 98 you had a national profile with the paper and the radio. And then that's probably I then started getting a wee bits of telly and that. And that's just the way it works. Well, so I, was one these, I was one of these guys that never knew what I wanted. To but do. Was it so the dream? Was the dream always to get involved in football? For? I, I, I think. I, pro, I I think when I thought about going to Napier College, I probably had a wee fantasy about sitting in the press box and writing about model winning the cup or Scotland watching them at a World Cup right. against Brazil. That was my it, but then it took a wee slight uh, left turn. Simon, yeah, just, for, just sure. for
3: perspective, yeah. though, one of the sketches which is truly honking <laughs> involves really uh, one. What, what, what was one that? One involves a, a, a herd of cows being driven in the back of a car or something oh, like I that. that. <laughs> oh
2: God, that I get that get that get filmed. it would yeah. yeah, cost a fortune. No, no, I mean, the example, you're putting this together for what fucking thirty <laughs> bob, right? Yeah. But this was BBC television, little and large. Do you remember little and nah. large? The wee yeah. fat guy, and then suddenly be the skinny. Yeah, he played the guitar and all that shit, right but they were hugely popular in like, the 70s and into the 80s and well, you're right one of them that was sent in it was uh, the farmer one of them was <laughs> the farmer and, he, and he's sitting way, driving the wee motor and he's got two cows sitting in the back of the motor and his mate in the farm says what are you doing and he says you told me to drive the cows into the barn <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 get, I get made I get filmed I prefer <laughs> you're <laughs> still about pissing yourself <laughs> in the back of the barn <laughs> My first ever joke, you like this one, first ever broadcast joke was in a show called The News HUD starring old Roy Hudd, who's up in the Perth Theater man. Yes, I noticed that, yeah. With yeah Isla Blair and Lisa Goddard. Yeah. Uh, it's an Oscar Wilde piece. Piece, yeah. Oh. yeah. Did, did a lot of your guests talk about Oscar no. Wilde? Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> I but, don't know what it is. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <did> he is. <laughs> <fun? laughs> <Raid> Rovers? Rovers. <laughs> but, um, but anyhow, uh, the first time I joke was on his radio show in Radio 2 in 1987, and the gag was there'd been a story that week that uh, a plane in Australia, there was a plane in Australia and a kangaroo that was on the plane had escaped for the hold of the plane. And uh, the joke was, it must have been a Boeing 747. (laughs) (laughs) That's good to hear. £7.50 I got for that. (laughs) Yep. You're getting a lot more for this. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Right, Stuart, you started off on the musical side. Yeah. Is uh, that what you wanted to get in? Not really, no. I
3: mean, I actually started off because I've always been, since I was about 15, I've always been a big fan of soul music and grew up all through my life. That's... The big passion of my life, um, and what had happened was that at the time, a lot of the kind—I ran a soul club in Perth, Perth City Soul Club—and uh, there was big clubs in Dundee, Edinburgh. So you go to these various local do's, but the the biggie uh, down south was at Wigan Casino. That was the big all-nighter, and I was down there right from the very start, and uh, it lasted kind of about eight, nine years throughout the seventies, and I was kind of well known around there at the time. I uh, was also a student, so I'd moved down to the North England to study, in part because that was kind of one of the best ways of getting down on the Northern Soul scene. And as a consequence of that, I was on the dance floor at Wigan one night, and this guy came up to me and says, Oh, you can write. Why don't you write for the fanzine? This is the Northern Soul fanzine, and I started writing for, for that that night. Um, sent him a piece. you had to write, hand write it, send it in the paper, and uh, somebody would type it up for you. It was all of that. I never had a typewriter, but it just got more and more. And then eventually, I bought a typewriter, and then uh, a kind of floppy disk computer. that was single. I mean, it was. It, it, we think it now is it primitive. You know, yeah. you had to kind of feed floppy disks into a, a, a little kind of slot and code it, and crudely kind of try and write over it over uh, the very early days of um, Word. And um, then I started to appear a lot in soul fanzines. And I wrote for a paper called Black Echoes, which was the big black music paper in, in, in London. And uh, the editor of the NME spotted really what I was wild. doing. yeah. And I, therefore, I was the first journalist at the time, certainly in that kind of music scene, that went on a big transfer, right? They signed me for Echoes to the NME. I went there as media editor and they paid... Echoes a fee, cash fee, and also gave them certain amount of advertorial about you know to advertise the smaller newspaper. Um, and I went to the NME and I became within about a year I was media editor, but was also their American correspondent. So I was doing quite a lot of dance music, hip hop, and house and things like that. And oh. it was really quite a, quite a experience, you know. Go on, give us a few of the, the the people you interviewed, Stevie Wonder. Oh, hundreds! Uh, Prince, Stevie Wonder. James Brown, Marvin Gaye. I mean, all of the biggies, all of the biggies. Um, I always remember to tell this story about, I was due interviewed James Brown, and it was a Saturday morning. He he had said that he would do breakfast on a Saturday morning. He was doing a tour of the UK and he had a new album out. So his record company wanted this interview for front cover of the NME. And I'm sitting down and it was Hyde Park. It was the Dorchester Hotel in Hyde Park. And uh, I'm sitting waiting. He no show, No, he's no there, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, ten o'clock. And I had in my hip pocket a ticket for Scotland, England at Hamden. I was meant to be flying up on the 12 o'clock for a three o'clock kickoff. I was going to go to the game straight for the airport. And that was the day we won the Rouse Cup. I think it? it was one 0 Scotland. Richard Goff scored. And I'm still sitting there with a brief with a ticket in my hand. And this wee yeah, James Brown didn't he so <laughs> he didn't <he> show <laughs> up till about three in the afternoon. And he says, first question, you're tempted to say, Why are you a dick? You know what I mean? But I really didn't like the guy. He's arrogant, he's 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 not a very nice person, and he's deep now, so you can really slag him, you know. But <laughs> uh, but that was one of the ones that sprung st- is there another no one
0: that you had to have a, a triple vodka early uh,
3: in the morning? <laughs> oh aye, that was I tell you the story about Oliver Reed. I think I did tell you this he might, story. Yeah, he had uh, the story. Basically way. he uh, Oliver Reed, who, who at the time was kind of infamous for turning up on live TV shows and getting steaming and fighting with feminists and I mean he was a real kind of odd character, great he, character he the actor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and basically what happened was that he said that uh he would do the interview, and it was at his hotel where he was staying in Soho. So I went to the hotel to meet him, and I'm doing the interview. And he was quite he's quite assertive about his attitude to life. And he said to me, I'll do this interview if you drink along with me. And he oh. just said, this was like about eight in the morning. And he goes to the, the hotel, and he says... A uh, fresh orange juice uh, and a you know two egg rolls or whatever it was he had. his fry up. He says, "A um, uh, fresh orange juice with a triple vodka in it, please." Eight in the morning, oh. and he says, "And he'll have the same." You know, go, oh, no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Right, anyway, he'll have the same. so I'm there drinking away. And of course, when about an hour and a half, I'm legless, but he's fucking still like this, oh, you know, nice. big big brute of a man. I mean, he poured drink down him and go right down to his ankles. Keep going. Anyway. We, we 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 did a version of the interview at the cassette with me. And as we came out, he was walking through this lane in Soho to um the uh, other to another to Warder Street, I think it was he was going, and we we're coming out and all I heard him shouting at the top of his voice, big, big beard, heavy set guy, just turned round and said you little shit you and I'm going look round and I can see coming towards me Ian Hislop right <laughs> and he picked Ian Hislop up he pinned him up the wall and he said you think you can be smart taking the piss out of me and telly you're not so smart now he looked down and he says I can see diarrhoea running down your <laughs> leg yeah. you posh little twat <laughs> and fucking crashed him down to the ground and kept walking I'm going oh, hello
2: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know the column that used to keep Stuart going when he was in London. What's that? When I was in the Evening Times, that's how Stuart yeah. knew me. That's the one. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. Absolutely. But we, but we did not meet. We did not meet. And at that, that conference, I, had to, I auditioned for that, if you like. There was a, a football uh, journalist um, at the time, Graham Clark, who uh, wrote for the Evening Times. And on a Wednesday, he had a big full page letters page. And uh, when I, when the Evening Times their way of seeing if they were going to start me with a column or not, they asked me to effectively write a column that they would put in this letters page as a big letter, and they said we'll stick that in, and if we get any sort of reaction to it, Tom, um, we'll give a restart. That was, mm-hmm. so it was an audition, basically. So I did. I wrote uh, uh, about eight hundred words that they put in as a letter, and they got a good reaction. They, oh, who was the boy? Tom. I was Tom then. Tom Cowan from Mother we enjoyed that, it was a good laugh, blah, blah, blah. So they gave me a wee start, and that was just, you know, a wee bit of, a wee bit of endeavour, a wee bit of hard work. I was
3: in exile in London at this time, working at, by now
2: at Channel 4, and I was flying up
3: at the weekend and often going to see uh, St. Johnston <laughs> During the time, I can even remember the team because I was always getting them tickets for TFI Friday. And there's actually one bar scene in TFI Friday where, if you watch it, you can see the whole St. John'son squad in there. we <laughs> <laughs> the right, Scott, <laughs> McInnesby, and, and all of them. They'd gone down. I think there was no Saturday game, so they'd flown down on the Friday and got them tickets for TFI Friday. But uh, so I was down in London and flying up uh, on a Thursday night or a Friday night. And, you know, when I say living in exile, it, it literally was that at the time, because there was no Even internet, in you know, and, that, and right. you had this situation where I would, could get the Westminster version of the Daily Record, but basically what that was, was the English version, yeah. with maybe two or three games on the back, I and mean, we guess who those two games you were, know, <laughs> and, and you'd get that, and that'd be about it. So you'd be coming up thinking, right, well, you know, starved the Scottish football, you know, you would get the odd phone call from a mate and he'd tell me of scandals that had happened. And then I arrived at Glasgow Airport and there was always the uh, free copy of the Evening Times line as you got off the plane I'd grab it you didn't
2: but even I... buy it you rotten bastard <laughs> no <Nah, laughs>
3: n- anyway n- 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 <laughs> so I went straight back uh, three pages back in and I always started with Tam I had no idea who he was but you know what I liked about it there was three or four things I could list the things I liked I love wee Sniders, where he he pretends, Tam does this, pretends he's praising somebody, and as they're coming by, just claps them right in the face, right? He does that. The other one I love is, and you have to have the guts to do this if you really want to be funny, is go for the holy cows. And if you look at Rangers and Celtic, they were always up there. At the time he started they were virtually untouchable Aye. there was no such thing as a media that criticized them or or held them to account or in any way really kind of mocked them but so see, I, I was, was very lucky
2: well i was very lucky that because i'm a mobile fan and certainly when i was starting out then reading times i was a mobile fan and i was i was writing in a paper that was primarily purchased in and around glasgow where you're going to get Celtic and Rangers fans so I was always able to balance it you know it's where it's right up to the current date right up to the last show we would have done yeah. the radio there's always guys who say I know who you really support and it's selling it's Rangers but that for me is, it's always flipped it's one mm-hmm. week depending on who you've been taking the piss out know, yeah. you must all hate them and then the next week it's other you must take them as long as it's always balanced and even like, over the, the, the course of time then absolutely fine so I, I was perfectly placed for doing that column at the evening times when I started out and what was a big, big help as well? Because I started it in. It was actually January ninety one. Was it was January nineteen ninety one? I started that, and that of course was the year where five months later or whatever, my team won the Scottish Cup. So that was a great help for me. As much as I make a joke it now about how often I mention that in the radio and everything. Still, the only time I've seen my my club win the major trophy. But it was a great help. If there was ever a chance that I would have you know, writer's block or a big blank page or whatever. Uh, what a start, because well, Motherwell were really motoring yeah. then, you know, and it gave me a good help. There's always, you know, think the are thinking hundreds of things to write, you know. And, of course, along the way, you were doing, I mean, in that time you are talking about being able to get it up, Rangers and Celtic, for a Motherwell fan and a Glasgow paper. That year, we had, of course, beaten Celtic uh, after a replay in the semi-final, beaten 4-2, and then the week before we went and won the Scottish Cup final, we beat Rangers 3-0 at Far Park. Uh, that's when the Rangers had maybe played for a draw, having yeah. attained the heat out of the Aberdeen game that they game had right. to play the full week, yeah. when Mark Cately basically won the league for them, you know. Mm. So there was all that stuff going on as a Marlowe fan, so it, it, it was brilliant for mm. me, starting out, yeah. make sure that I had plenty to write about, you know. Mm. so But just to give
3: you perspective there, Simon, it would have been unthinkable, going back to your own upbringing, you know, you had the courier and the... Tully, even uh, Telegraph in Dundee, but there wasn't as big a media around those clubs that would have made them y- the, yeah. the, the subject to humour
2: in the same way.
3: So Tam could only really have done that in Glasgow.
2: But what you had to do as well, because only real problem I had in the early days, which seems weird, was from Motherwell, because the other thing that I had to make sure that I did as a Motherwell fan, and almost by way of a way of flashing my credentials was to, when they deserved it, have a go at Motherwell as well. And the tricky thing was I had to have a go at Motherwell saying the sort of things that I knew my pals at the start of the game, and all the rest of the fans were saying. I had to be in tune with them, you know. And the the time that got me in board was maybe about a a good year and a bit after winning the Cup. Um, But this time we Tommy McLean had uh, joined the board of directors, And there wasn't much money being spent to really improve the team and capitalise on what we'd done after the Cup. And I had kind of slated them. Uh, in a column, and uh, I got the call. The call went in uh, uh, to my editor at the Evening Times, and actually, it was preceded by a lawyer's letter from Jock Brown, the famous Jock yeah. Brown commentator, Craig's brother, who was acting as a lawyer for Tommy McLean. And this quite ridiculous letter gets sent in to my editor, <laughs> and it said that they took umbrage at, I had said about Tommy McLean, it, it metaphorically, says he's got to get rid of the sheep. Now he's a director, get rid of the sheepskin coat and the cigars and get. Packets, concentrate the dugout and get the team going again, get them out in the park and it was this preposterous letter that came in in lawyer speak you know um, I would we would take issue with A, the sheepskin coat brackets which Mr McLean does not own, yeah. B, the cigar brackets which he does, which not, he smoke. does not smoke, it was all that's right? So anyhow, it all worked out then because what happened was, my editor phoned me up and they told me everything that happened she says, right you know what I'll do? I'll go up and I'll see Tommy you know so I always remember I thought I'm representing the paper here I remember putting on a collar and tie I thought I'll try and do it all properly oh, and I saw wee Tommy I went into his office I can still see this like it was yesterday and the minute I walked in his wee face that wee hamster face he was absolutely dealing right and I sat down what I'd taken with me however uh, and I still got them was my collection of season ticket stubs for all the previous years you know and he was just about to launch into one because he thought here's this guy writing a the column and the Glasgow, Glasgow evening oh, even yeah, yeah. times. You must be a Celtic Avengers Why the fuck is he slagging me and and mm. not? You know. So I went in. and I says, Tommy, before you start saying anything, I'm a Motherwell fan. And in- anything that I'd written there is what I was hearing run about me at Fife Park from my pals, the folk that sat near by me. And I says, if you don't believe me, and I brought out the wee box and all these, and I says, look, I've been a season ticket holder for I was ten year old, and I could just see him gradually just deflate a oh, wee bit, and the colour come back to his cheeks <laughs> a wee bit, you know, and then. Went up, he was absolutely fine. He says, "Look, my hands are tied to your kid." I'll remember saying, ah, can't "I can't just go out and spend money and all the rest." Of it? I might be that's half the reason I was on the board, hoping to get me to loosen the purse strings a bit. Blah 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 blah. He was very very good, and you know, is it because he was my ultimate kind of legend, if you like, for the managerial side of things at the club? I, I, I was never going to uh, let his criticism of me uh, blind me to the, all the stuff that he'd done at the club. Mm. So he remains just a, 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 a god. Uh, so why did son. you thieve his
3: wallet for the shapes Well, <laughs> <corn? laughs> You
2: can take the man out of right?
3: Well, I want to ask you, who's
0: the mastermind that brought you In The mastermind? Is there a guy that we can thank? Well, actually, oh, there is. Uh,
3: his name's Angus Lyon. Oh, what oh, have you been? Ah, an, I, I, uh, Angus Angus, yeah. a senior... He was a senior uh, producer at the BBC, producer. and he called me. I was actually doing stuff for uh, Radio 5, 5 Live at the time, and or it was just called Radio 5 at the time, and... Uh, he had heard me doing a late night show there and 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 I'd had Hamden Babylon the books out and that had done really well sold out reprinted three times that kind of thing and that was still having a laugh at the kind of scandals of Scottish football slightly different uh, approach to Tam but there was kind of like a merger of minds there and this guy thought after their first year of Off the Ball with Sanjeev Cawley and Greg Hempel and a guy called Ian Ross, they had a kind of zoo radio format. And he brought me in and said, how how would you how would you change this? And I said, well, there's just too many people. You can't even make out who's speaking. There's just too many voices cutting over each other. And some of them are trying to be funny more than actually passing any relevant comment about football. Um, and uh, I'd heard he'd given me some tapes of the show to listen to And I said, well, you know, the Tam Cowan guy who already knew for this column in the Times, I think, I said, he's the one, he's the funny one, and he knows about football. And funnily enough, it ended up that we were the only two people in the room that regularly went to see a team week Uh, in, week out, you
2: know. Did you two hit it off straight away? Yeah. Pretty much so. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had the similar upbringing. I mean, mm. we everybody kind of reckoned that we were poles apart in terms of what we did for a loving And Stuart being the, the the Channel Four guy and the guy who'd been on the Late Show and wearing the trendy shades and doors and all stuff like that, right? And juking about with the hooded tops and all that. And and I was your wee man with the the stay press and the white cardigan from Motherwell, you know. But we'd both been brought up and. And housing schemes, council housing schemes, and well, uh, uh, what was, was the funds. first language? You yeah, know, we uh, And would be yeah. support a, a wee diddy team, so there was mm. always going to be a wee, a wee bond. I, I would mm. like just to, you know, looking back, why would well, we even be sitting here now? Mm. But what the dynamic would have been if. If one of us, or both of us, mm-hmm. had supported Rangers of South... Yeah, I think it probably wouldn't yeah. have worked. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it wouldn't have See, worked. See, we were because, able to bring in... In yeah. the same way that Stuart's saying it when I'd started out at Colm... We were able to put into a mainstream newspaper... The sort of stuff that was in fanzines and all mm, that at yeah. the time, right? But the same token then, when we were able to go on the radio... And suddenly just tut tut at Celtic Rangers rather than be suki suki suki. And in y- an era when programmes like Friday Sports Scene and that were turning mm. up at Ali McCoy's doorway, a birthday cake, yeah, all right. that yeah. crawly stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Well, I don't know who it was. I'm using yeah. that as an example. I yeah. think that actually happened in the news and STV. Yeah. It might have been Jim White doing it. But you wouldn't get that, them doing that for a player at Dundee United, right? a yeah. forfeit or, no. or something, you know what I mean? So we, when we were able to get in and immediately have. The fans of all those other clubs on your side backing you because so you just get free
0: reign. Was it left up to you? They you were great. So, we yeah.
2: You know the usual boundaries of taste and decency, which Stuart would have known for working in television, and I even knew in the relatively short four years by that time yeah. that I'd been in newspapers. You, you know that it's mm. that, pointless you are writing something when it's just going to be cut, out, cut. You know, yeah. so yeah. you can't do things
3: that are libelous, no, and you can't do things necessarily that would. Uh, Inflame, kind of, you know, uh, criminality, or, you know, no. there's a set of kind of broadcast regulations. But, you know, mm. next to that, there's some people go on about what's offensive. Well, what's offensive yeah. is in the eye of the beholder. You know, yeah. I actually find some jokes very, very funny, mm. and the next person might think, oh, that mm. was a wee bit close to the bone. But I'll give it to well? we like well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you. you
0: do. Do. Yeah, when course I'm you know When I'm saying yeah.
2: about the, sorry, shoot, when I'm saying about the, when we started out, you had only fans, you had other clubs, who never ever get the same, put in the spotlight as much as Celtic Rangers. So they were all on our side immediately, particularly when we we'll suddenly taking the piss out of them. But if you take the pass out of Celtic, various things that have happened in our, uh, when, in our time, things that have happened at Celtic, signing Raphael Scheidt, having John Barnes as manager, Dr. Joseph Hengloss, when you have all things like that, and we are taking the piss then the Rangers fans all love it. And then whenever it's happened to Rangers, the absolute implosion, financial disaster of the club in 2012, when that's happened, you're taking the piss out of that. Then the Celtic fans love that. So yeah. as long as you're always mixing it. And mm. honestly, what, what really hurts me, and it, 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 I don't get offended then, so I'm not going to use that word, but what really hurts me to folk that genuinely think that we support one of the two teams or the other. you know... Like, You'd have to be very, very yeah. deep undercover. cover. have been?
0: Just backed off the ball, what changes yeah. did you want to make when you first went in? more taking the piss out of people as well? So,
3: aye, there was a bit of that, but the, the, the main one was actually, you know, uh, was actually a change to the format. So basically what happened was that through conversations with this guy, Angus Lyon, and through doing the show uh, week in, week out, gradually it became a double act, rather than what it had been, zoo radio. And, in, and of course, if you look back over the double acts of all time, they have to be different, right? So we started to exaggerate the difference between us, even although, as Tam said, we'd had similar upbringings and that. And clearly, you know, because of all my university stuff and that, it made sense for me to be the pretentious one, the kind of overintellectualizing one, the kind of slightly fey one, the daft clothes, all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it made... More sense for Tam to be the working class guy for the housing scheme, and we yeah we just kind of exaggerated. And Stuart those summed realities. it up
2: beautifully. And I'm going to use a word here that, of course, would never be used uh, modern day. We'd certainly never repeat it in a broadcast, but it was a word that he could have used back then. But Stuart summed up the two as we're saying that I was the coarse lump of Lanarkshire lard and he was the posh Perthshire poof. And, and to, to set the shop like that, yeah, that, that was that kind was of how a good hang yeah, on. Yeah. You know? and, and you know, when you
3: actually think about that, it allows you also to to kind of um, mine different areas of... Um, of humour as well. So, for example, Simon, um, if I'm talking about, say, St. Johnson and Motherwell, we've both won a cup, but we've also had long seasons of winning nothing. And so, therefore, if you reflect on, say... Uh, Vladimir Mayakovsky's theories of modernism, one yeah. of his big things is less is more. That actually the less you win, the more you cherish the wins that you had and yeah, yeah. whatever. And so I can make a quote like that and he's there ready to just pull me down, right? <laughs> and you have to do it. I sometimes go there thinking, I now have to use a preposterous word that no normal person would use knowing that he's going to come back at me, you know? So he right. set up stuff like that. So it's that. all planned out? Or? Well, it's not planned in the sense that we have a script but we know the roles that we play, yeah, you know,
2: yeah. and... You can never do our show our script, and nah, the, the, the script so. amounts to Stuart having timings yeah. on what you would cut, just so he makes sure he goes to the news, bit we've got to go Cross to go to Richard Gordon to talk about sports sound. But the script, I mean, I, 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 the whole week, in the 29 years uh, that I've had in uh, newspapers, I always kept a, a shorthand version of what happened every day. And then I still, to this day, I bring that in with me on a Saturday morning. I've got the stuff for the week. And then once we've done the initial first coffee where we chat and gossip and everything that's been happening, me, Stuart, and Stevie, our current producer we all go upstairs into another wee room and then we'll start going through the stuff. And then whatever it is that when we come to a wee story of the week that we all, oh, that might be good. Why don't we do that and talk about that? And then we think, right, okay, let's go with that. And, and sometimes you're self-editing, advanced, you're choosing ah, items so that will
3: work in that. So just, uh, you know, to, 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 to give you... Uh, An example today. Anthony Stokes is on the front pages, but because it's about domestic abuse, (laughs) it's a difficult thing to actually turn into. And that's the
2: thing that even the. You know that's the thing that we love. No, it's because we've been on here for so long now, twenty five yeah. years. There's many I think I mean, they're making a they're making a, a documentary now for the BBC for television about the silver anniversary of the ball. And I was chatting to some of the guys that last week who are making it, and they were saying off. And I was I was I was shuddering at the thought. And I said, when you listen back to some of the very early shows some of the stuff you were able to joke about, <laughs> some of the jokes you were able to crack, or the rest of it, is, you just know you when they get... But you've got to move with the times Things for that, yeah. you know? Did yeah. and, it and, and and take lose off straight away good... when you took over? Did it take off straight away, or did people take away? People take away, it it took, away? Well, it, it
3: kind of became successful relatively quickly, actually, and I think that was because... Because it was different. It was, it was different, sort yeah. not, yeah. you know,
2: and that's how, mm. and I'm, um, you know, when you get...
3: And it's slightly uncensored. We weren't, I mean, genuinely, it really doesn't bother me whether you know Anne Budge does or doesn't like me, it's just irrelevant to my life. So yeah. you don't feel I don't feel constrained. I don't mm. like to abuse people or hurt people or say things. And there's a lot of stuff that I would never ever. But you know see what? I'll tell you. Humor, we, we wouldn't you be know?
2: human if it wasn't the case that I'm trying to think. But if. You know, if uh, somebody that we'd had in the show, whose company we'd enjoyed on the show, who'd been a good guest for us, I bet you, if they'd got a wee bit of bother, maybe they were managing a team and struggling about, it and we'd fan slating them, that they might, they might yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. of us. We might ask you, you're trying to give them a wee bit of support, and it's simply yeah. just because folk have done us a turn, we yeah. came yeah. mm-hmm. on our show and having a laugh and a joke, and helping, making. Hopefully a good programme. What about favourite
0: targets? Craig Brown got it a bit for his off-the-pitch activity. Anyone else?
2: Oh, aye. Well, Craig was... (laughs) Craig went the first day of a go himself with that. Craig's Uh the guy that says that when the... the Scotland fans at one game eh, 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 they all started the first ever time they started chanting Shagar Brown, Shagar Brown. <laughs> and after the game, Craig had been speaking to his son, he said, Did you hear that? And his boy says it was me that fucking started it. <laughs> <laughs> so Craig likes telling that against himself. himself and I, I, think, I remember yeah. years ago in the telly when we We did a wee kind of kiddy on a fast quiz at the end of every show and Craig was a guest and Craig won it and it was at a time there'd been front page stories about Craig, you know. And we says, Well, Craig, the prize we've got for you then is a very lovely eighteen year old and I could see Craig, you know, and and we got (laughs) one of the guys to walk on. It was an eighteen year old bottle of whiskey, right? (laughs) (laughs) But Craig loved that and he tells me he still got the the bottle. and we had it up and made in his label with his picture on it and all that. You know, it's even it's only a laugh and a joke and a carry on. uh, uh, but you you know the thing is we came in It's slightly changed now.
3: Sigh, but not completely, but there's a wee bit of change. We came into a period of time where there was all that kind of omerta stuff around what you said in the dressing room, and, and professional right. footballers tended to kind of club together and not criticize their fellow professional. And we, we've got this thing about it where somebody will we'll take them down after the show down in the lift and they're slaughtering their entire teammates, <laughs> but they come on here and they're like, Oh no, he's a good is that the
0: you when people are like that when they That's come so on. I, I,
3: I, I, I. I. And very rarely actually that you get People that are as honest as they would like to be, and and the kind of level of kind of joking we are doing, we are looking for. Here's a thing: you ask a Scottish professional footballer who is the biggest dud you've ever played against they'll choose a foreign guy who's gone uh, over. Never gonna listen uh, to the programme. I uh, never uh, gonna hear the programme, uh,
2: right? They the, the mess candid with that though, quite the opposite, albeit foreign football, if you like, was at the centre of it. Mm. We were doing a show once and Mixu part of was on. And uh Stuart says to him, Mixu, uh who's the one guy in football that you never got on with? And uh, he just said uh right away, Henrik Larson. Vanker. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and, and the whole history of Scottish football and media in Scotland, nobody had even said about a single bad word against Henry Larson. And here was a, a fellow Scottish football guy, albeit he's clearly Finnish, um, uh, no, he's and, nice. Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, uh, who was it coming out with that That one? was yeah. anti-Niemi. Yeah. Anti-Niemi. Uh, but here was a guy coming out and basically calling Henrik, the great Henrik Larson, the king mm-hmm. of kings, a wanker, mm-hmm. live on radio. You know, and, and what it was we, was, we was were a, like a f-
3: Finland-Sweden rivalry. I, I, well, yeah, we yeah, were yeah, kind uh, of a bit naive about it. But there, there he was in, and with that. and the, So there are some things, there are areas that you you can joke about in areas now that seem to have drifted away from being the subject to humor. And that's just as we've changed as a society. And it makes it tougher sometimes, but there are still areas that you can laugh at. You can still laugh at, you know, old-fashioned. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. and 365-day returns. Scottish jokes about kind of, you know, overeating, poverty, bevy merchants, all the kind of Scottish stuff. You can still laugh at all of that. But as I was saying earlier, you know, something like spousal abuse and that, you just no, can't, it's you can't there. go there. It's what gone. about favourite guests then? Favourite guests that you've had on? Oh, uh, there's been so many different ones. And, and you know, sometimes I like people who come at it with a wee bit of difference so that it's not always just the former professional and, and they're maybe coming into the show. I'm trying to think of a real Folk who really come in
2: and join, you, you just want to be. Joined. I mean, favourite guests could actually be somebody that just had a book to punt. And I mean, yeah. I don't even mean a, a player or an ex player, just somebody that is at a random in the studio, but actually he, 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 he was pretty engaging. Mm. I mean, he came out with you know, a bad wee bit of material. Or you mm. go, I mean, we've had all the first ministers and all that as guests. We've had your. Uh, in terms of the Scotland managers, Craig Brown, Alec McLeish, Walter, well, I'll, I'll tell you, Walter Smith was a favourite in one respect, That Walter between Everton, Scotland, when he was basically without with, with a gig, right, and we got him on and it was when we were being, uh, we did this, Dal uh, Dalmellington. We went down there to day the show and the, the BBC school,
3: were taking shows to this area in Dalmellington right. and, and they chose our show to go there. And we managed place.
2: to get Walter on this particular day, so we got they'd organised like, a lot of wee people carrier thing to take us down to the show. So Walter was great all the way down, he's chatting away quite the hang, it was great. Neither of us had met him before, you know. And he's chatting away and he was good. He was great doing the doing day the show, great with the kids. And then when we came back, I always remember for some reason I remember us so it was Grand National Day. So it was in about April or whatever. And the way back up the road we're in the M77, maybe it was still the A77 then, and we're just uh, going by the, the King's Arms and Fennec. And uh, Walter says, well, Right, we're not, we not going to pint or anything like that, you know, we've done the show and that. And he says, Ah, oh, brilliant. So we went into the King's and Arms and yeah. Fennec, you remember? Yeah. And, and Walter, he, he was brilliant with the, the punters and all that, yeah. and then he's chatting away to them all with a good drink and all that. So he, he was just great company, you know. Yeah. And yeah. of course, we can't candidate any form of any Scottish football show without President praise and there's <laughs> <again. So laughs> that again. That's that type of... Agree guidelines. Thanks exactly. very That's much, exactly Tom. Right. Cheers.
0: What yeah. about you, Stuart? Have you got one in particular? Oh,
3: you know, there's uh, endless numbers of the people. There was... Um You know, there's a guy actually, he's very young now, but Ray Bradshaw, the stand up comedian, can be good because he stands
1: in
0: for something. He's something stands in, in, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: But Ray is a a big Thistle fan who goes to the games and has his knowledge, so he gives you a perspective on Thistle. But um, what I loved about him is that he's uh, grown up in a family where both his parents are deaf, so he's a sign language expert, right? eh
2: <laughs> there you See? go Mocking no. <laughs> <gags laughs> no. the diso no. gags of the death no. Uh, shocking I eh think, I think this podcast's in a shooting. Oh, <laughs> so basically he
3: does sign language and you know all this stuff right my wee boy's quite good at it because there's a guy in the telly uh, Mr Tumble does it and you know, so he'll say to me toothpaste you sign, right? This is my wee boy, he's yeah. seven-year-old. But uh, Ray knows all it, and he's conversed with it all his life. And he just tells this joke, which is probably one of the great sign language jokes of all time, where uh, he's on the show and he uses uh, the F word, right? Signed. And his mother says, "That's it. You're going to have
2: to wash your hands now, instead of washing your <laughs> mouth." Out. Yeah. So, so he's good at like that. He's got And, a wet and sometimes about him. you get a wee uh, surprise guest, which is a bonus. We were going today the the show one Saturday back in 2003. It was a height of summer. 2003, there wasn't a European Championship or a World Cup on, so it was quite a quiet summer. I mean, mean, we were walking in thinking, what the hell are we going to talk about today? And we opened the pages of the papers, and that very day in 2003 was the 25th anniversary that day of Archie Gemmell's goal against Holland. We thought, wow, that's us. So we asked, well, where were you? So it's going to be the Scottish JFK moment. Where were you when Archie Gemmell scored that goal? And all the stories were coming in, there was some really happy ones, guys saying he'd walked his daughter down the aisle that day. Then they watched again game they thought, oh, that's the greatest day of your life. They another guy that had buried his mother that day and they thought, oh, tears of sadness. Watched again, then a few wee tears of joy, raised a glass. And then we are still taking calls, phone calls that day, you never do that now, text, emails, never. phone call come in next. Yes, Collar, do you remember where you were when Archie Gemmell scored that amazing goal? And the voice said, Aye, I was 10 yards for the greedy wee bastard screaming for a pass. <laughs> <That> <laughs> was was, he's, he's a Hartford. He's a Hartford. Oh, yeah, right. he's a Hartford. He was living down in Sheffield. He yeah. was yeah. listening to us through the Sky Telly or yeah. whatever. Mm. And he thought, I'll phone the boys. Oh, had but but what's,
3: what's great about it now when you watch the goal? I, and I've, I've see seen it hundred times. You can see it. I mean, and actually there's a moment where, there's a moment where Archie could just simply have slid it sideways to a's and it was straight in. You know, we nobody would even thought it a pass.
2: you don't notice it until you you no, notice it. Yeah, right,
0: yeah. you put me on the spot when I was on the show. Asked me who my worst guest was. So there you go, I'm turning the table, Stuart. Worst, worst guest? Pat, uh,
2: Pat, I'll jump in. Pat Kane, uh, very rude, um, behaved like a child. Uh, we had him on his brother Greg, a few in cry fame, uh, and alongside them was Ruth Davidson. Uh, ..the now former leader of the Scottish Tory party. So as you can imagine, their politics are absolute poles apart. And it was just a horrible, horrible, horrible atmosphere... ..which we never uh, try to have in an episode Off The Ball... ..where Pat was kind of sitting with half his back... ..turned to Ruth Davidson for the whole show outrageous body language, really rude. Anything she said at all, he'd be rolling his eyes, he'd be tutting very audibly, you know, and that went on for two hours in the lunchtime show. We tried to ignore it as it went on, we continued the show, a laugh, a joke, and a carry-on. Oh, Ruth was very good when you go part just in his own, it was fine, taking the pass out of him, but his also propensity for the big long words like Stuart and all that, and we challenged the two of you who, I, I who could Mexican come up with the best one. Yeah. the best, not yeah. right. So we're still trying to have a normal show but this was eating away at me we finished the programme at 2 o'clock as we do every day everybody, we'd have done it with you you go outside the studio and you get a wee photo for them to put up on social media and no on the website we're up there, me and Stuart bookending the guests as normal you've got uh, Hugh and Cry, Pat and Greg and you've got Ruth and we're out either end just as we Danielle or maybe Chloe one of the girls that works on the show was just about to take the photo she would just about to go click Pat just walks out of the shot and says I, I can't do this Right, and I up, you know, and he, thought, oh, and he went away. He went, and his brother went away that way. Uh, Ruth went away that way. And for the rest of that day and the rest of that night, it was really, really eating away at me. We never want an atmosphere like that during the show. I was sitting in the house that night. I was in the house that whole Saturday night, sitting with a wee glass of wine, in am watching the telly, and my wife said, it, and I couldn't think to it, but I was just like, what a fucking horrible, horrible day that was. What a horrible way to end a show. I phone Stevie, our producer, I say, Stevie, how did you contact Ruth? Was it email or was it phone? He says, no, I just had a number, because Ruth used to work in the BBC and she was a, uh, a journalist and she yeah. was on the radio. Network. So he says, no, i I always had a number. I said, go to give me it. And uh, I might to just drop her a wee text. So I did, I dropped her a wee text. Now, this is where it seemed quite bizarre. He was me, a boy from Motherwell, who grew up in the shadow of the Craig Steelworks uh phoning to apologize to the leader of the Tory party mm-hmm. in Scotland. It would just seem really strange. But and I texted her and I said, What's the felt, look, I'm really sorry about that today, Ruth. Uh, thanks for coming on. Me and Stuart Feel horrible the way it all panned out there. And she get back, and I thought it was great. And I'm, I'm slightly paraphrasing here, but she basically get back and she says, Don't worry about it, Tom. I had a great time in the show, and I've dealt with bigger arseholes than him. Mm-hmm. Full stop. And I thought magic. And I was uh, that. Yeah. Well, now, you it was know, horrible. You wasn't know, it?
3: yeah, one, one of the things about it, which to summon that, that up, we, we have an attitude which is like a wee bit like the old attitude that you had in Scotland about. Hogmanay and New Year when folk come first footing you that you, you kind of even although I mean there's loads of people that have come on the show that I completely disagree with ideologically Archie McPherson for example and you know you you know stand up rounds. Can I tell Archie
2: McPherson's story? Hi, please. Aye, aye, aye. Go and uh, what's your parameters here? Go with for The, 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 the words, right? Any I, don't, I don't, I don't because unlike Stuart, I'm a, I'm a big fan of old Archie, right? But I'll use the word cabbage <laughs> in this story when I might. He may have used another C he word, right? Yeah, but How about that, right? I'll mm. use the word cabbage. Right. Right, it was another C word to use, right? Archie had said to me after one of the shows a couple of years ago, um, Tom, you're still doing the uh, the restaurant reviews, yeah? And I says, oh, yeah. oh, well, I've got a few spare afternoons, you know? And I says, Oh, Archie, that'd be great. I'll take you out for a meal, and that'd be great. Give me plenty to write up about. i out with Archie McPherson. Great. So I'm like, Where'd I meet up with Archie McPherson? You know, big. Alouf, the Doyen guy, the BBC stalwart and you know, all that, right? The voice of Scottish football. So I thought, I'll meet him. Archie, uh, I said, we we'll get you in the Rogano. In Glasgow, right? Oh, well, oh, of course, yes. And I thought we'll go to the Regano, I'll meet them there, we'll get a few drinks, and then we'll go downstairs to the cafe regano for the actual review. We bit cheaper, we bit easier on the ekis and that, right? That's expenses. I can your <laughs> sort all right it. are tablets <laughs> that you take before a know. rave dab. As well as I, I imagine Archie. Anyhow, so I met up with Archie yesterday. We're in the Regano in the lovely bar upstairs. So Archie, oh, how you doing? Glad you can meet. What can I get you? Oh, and he's looking about, it's a place for it. I'm champagne, I guess. I says, right, fine, champagne. So I, I don't even like it, but I, I had it as well. So two is are on there. And I'm there with Archie McPherson, who had listened to Dane the Fit, but it was here in Hammer Arthur Montford. And I'm a kid, and yet I'm there in his company, and he's regaling me with the stories. We get down the stairs for the dinner. And a few extra drinks had been taken by then. We're chatting away, and at one point, I don't know why, a guy has here. I brought up the name David Coleman, right? And the minute I said Archie, just went. What a cabbage. <laughs> oh, a complete cabbage of a man, right? And he spouted this venom about David Coleman and how he hated him and everything about him and, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, this is Archie McPherson, wasn't it, you know? And this is clearly no for me to put in the review or anything, right? So I was stunned by this. One day later, after I'd <laughs> been uh, the news comes on during the day uh, David Coleman has died. <laughs> oh, right. yeah. That night on Scotland Tonight, the yeah. STV show, Archie's put <laughs> as a guest. Archie, what did you think? One of our finest broadcasters, <laughs> <laughs> the greatest of his generation. Yeah. He'll be sadly missed. And I go, "Only Archie, you two cabbage." Yeah. <laughs> right? And he get back and he says, "Tom, I'll do anything for hundred and fifty quid." <laughs> oh, I, it's horrendous. Says, "I don't we all." <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) uh, that was brilliant what are
0: you sure at worst
3: at worst uh, you know what Uh, uh, his name's just gone out of my mind now and it shouldn't have done but uh, I think he might be on loan or, or maybe he's actually a third choice keeper at Aberdeen now but used to be Hamilton's keeper Cherney. Cherney. Thomas Cherney. Oh, my oh, right? yeah, yeah. for himself. Oh, he's oh, a great tosser. Couldn't
2: take a joke in any time. And you know what?
3: Here's the other thing about him. At St. Johnson had played a game against Hamilton, at Hamilton, and it was one of these games where... Hamilton had gone 1-0 up, but we were battering them for 90 minutes. And you know these games where you just think they, they're, they're just going to kind of suck you in Aye. and McKinnon's going to chop somebody down and all of this sort of stuff. It was just Hamilton and Cherney was in goal and uh, the ball would come and it would be maybe a kind of by kick. And then he would go down with his hamstring, and he'd be stretching it like that. And then eventually, he would get up and they'd kick with the other foot. He wasn't even kicking with the one, you know. And it, he was just driving. And I think I think
2: he might even have started that one. The goalies is know the they catch the ball, and then they get down the and then they, fall that, and then they yeah. roll out. you I know. And him to, him Thomas
3: Cherny came on the show, but God, he was one of the most arrogant, you know. That he just sat. I
2: remember he sat over, staring, staring kind at of us, thing.
3: yeah. Uh, staring over the t- desk at us you know, thinking thinking
2: sitting it, back. It, or I think it was yeah. Seth Meyer or yeah. Leviashin. Ah, right Thomas you know. And I think as an obvious, okay, maybe he was, maybe his guard was up about, and he thought we were slaughtering. But actually, if anybody forensically looks at the show, that's no, that's, that's not, not what we up. do. But I'll, get, I'll no. give you an example of that. And but actually, while you're talking about goalies, the first time we had Cami Bellows, right. Now, Cami Bell was relatively fresh for throwing that one into the the net at first part the playoff, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was a huge, huge deal to me. That, that maybe even saved our club, keeping us up that year. You know, uh, so it was it was mega. And Cami Bell was absolutely tortured for that. He was flamed for that, right? But when he came on to your show, as much as it would have been easy for me as a mellow fan, to ha ha ha, remember that, you know. In the interim period, I always remembered that he'd, he'd played a game with Dundee United where he saved three penalties in the one game. Do you remember that? Yeah. You know? So that was the starting yeah, point that yeah. we yeah. went well, Brilliant catch you be your back, Cammy. well done. Cause that must have been a hard time for you. But three penalties, there's no many guys who've done that. Mm-hmm. We'll put it out to the listeners. I've seen MD saving three penalties, blah blah. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I think we would always like to treat guests, you know. Mm-hmm. I have a laugh and a joke. If you get a good guest in and you did something that actually did genuinely uh, upset them or offend them we, we, we don't want to believe. well I'm never going to that Not again, again yeah. but you know yeah. there's nothing to be yeah. gained. what remember? about uh,
3: biggest
2: mental case
3: Tommy Sheridan was a bit mad on it oh I uh, yeah. Tommy he, he'd
2: be straight up there you would have thought as well you first, know, first time we had Tommy remember this as mm. we almost said this simultaneously it was in the old BBC Tommy uh, had so this would have been maybe back I don't know about 2002 or something I don't know where that was but we were at Queen Margaret Drive we'd finished the first show Tommy had been the guest and uh, on the show, had uh, been everything about the fact that he didn't smoke, the fact that he didn't drink, the fact that he was a keep fat, you know, squeaky clean and all that. And I always remember we were coming out. Tommy drove by us uh, to go away. We took the uh, horn, his later boys. And we turned to each other and says, "Well, what, what does he do? Yeah. What does he help?" I know. And then you <he laughs> roll, roll on a couple of years, yeah, and it all kind of <laughs> unraveled <laughs> a wee bit. You know, no, you know what? Tommy is a guy that's I, I know Tommy really well. Mum, my, my sees was it was at school with his wife Gail and all that and we'd known him for years, gone to events with him, sat there with him and uh, so I've, I've got to concede that Tommy's like a pal and I, w- I was always willing and well through his troubles and that but first and foremost and it goes back to the, the great guests and that politics and everything. I don't, Stuart will tell you, I'm not the least bit political. I, 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 I keep an eye on the political world as much as I have to and I can sometimes surprise Stuart on the area we... Oh, a, a wee, wee nugget. I have been sucking a yeah, yeah, yeah. in at Stuart. I didn't think Tom would have known about that but... Yeah. so I'm up to that but irrespective of somebody's politics Tommy Sheridan has been and hopefully will be again a great guest one of your all time favourites and a lot of folk with a lot of stuff to say about his politics George Galloway oh and and George, absolutely a sensational yeah. guest George yeah. when he was on your show with us once and he suddenly somebody for some reason I hope you remember us somebody yeah. for some reason the show or an email or something, mentioned bees yeah bzz 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 bees Tommy, uh, sorry, George Galloway then, it was like a fifteen minute uh, a lecture thesis, on the history of bees. bees, you know. about how important bees are to the planet yeah. Yeah. and what they do in the pollen, and, and but he spoke without repetition, hesitation, yeah. and He just does, you know, yeah. it was like, he was back in the American Senate, absolutely battering the Yanks. He just spoke eloquently, beautifully about bees for about fifteen minutes. Is a
0: football ever shocked you being that eloquent? Or are footballers always quite basic? No, no,
3: some no footballers no. can be can be pretty eloquent. I mean more the modern ones, you know, yeah. ones guys that have gone through academies and stayed on at school longer. You'll know them better than us, <laughs> but the guys
2: that have done the degrees Stuart and all that. And that's quite a We've hit, not yeah. had sure answer, but you're right, he any time, the first time when he f- popped up doing TV interviews and that, yeah, you're right. It was a wee bit of, oh, oh yeah. God, listen. Well, no, like, I remember you know?
3: when Jack Ross came on. It was because he was a child author. Oh, I oh right, that was, that yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So you, you get these guys that are actually quite, quite bright and uh, and have just got a wider, wider life. You know. Right. We need to talk about Jose
0: Kitongo, What was your thoughts when he? Drop the well,
2: carriage. I'll I'll, st- I'll start the story and then I'll let Stuart tell you how he, he saved our bacon. But Jose Katonga was on a great... Uh, have you had Jose on, on this? No no, 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 Great wee guy. You'll have met him and stuff. I <laughs> a lovely wee guy. Almost with this real sense of honour. A lovely wee guy. Lovely wee beautiful face. He's a great <laughs> wee guy. Big sparkling eyes. And uh, a, a right wee polite man. He came on our show and he was talking about some of the horrible... Racist abuse that he had received in Scottish football. It was actually against St. Johnstone uh, the game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was at the game. I remember it actually. When? And
3: what we 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 Hosey said, he, basically, he'd been at it. He'd been going down too easy, as they say, or whatever. And he was describing the the, the this whole experience of being shouted at for the terraces, and he was generalising around, you know, some of the kind of racist abuse he'd had. And then he came to this incident where. He used the, right. the C word and he said, actually, the words that he used is, he says, I'd gone down looking for a penalty and they were calling me all oh, the cunts, he said. right, <laughs> And it was the way he said it, all oh, the cunts. Right, right you <laughs> know, Scottish. Right, right Scottish. And then, so I, I explained, as you do to the then regulator, point, right. that, you know, here was a man talking in his third language. He was an Angolan war orphan who'd had to come to Portugal and learn Portuguese and then come and move to Lanarkshire where he learned Scots uh, and has lived in a Scottish life with two children. Both have been age group players for Scotland yep. and his wife or girlfriend that he was living with at the time. And, you know, you think to him, well... I couldn't swear in an Angolan, oh, let alone Portuguese, yeah. let alone. You know, but, and but so see the a man. That Stuart
2: chopped out, and the fact that he'd been talking about racism, the, the racist abuse that he'd received, and the fact that Stuart had been totally sympathetic about this was his third language. We didn't, we didn't get a single complaint about that. Not now, one. It's the sort of no. thing that you he thought you'd get loads of complaints, but because yeah. of the way it had been pitched. I think it's a even even the serial complainers who would have thought I'm, I'm, oh, he said the C word, I'm complaining BBC. they might have thought they thought, Oh, for everything that he's been through and the way Stuart had explained it, if I complain it's me that's going to be the bad guy do, here, yeah, you know? Yeah. So we never get a single complaint. Yeah. It was utterly but bizarre. For
3: the avoidance of doubt, Simon, he's a diving wee cunt. <laughs>
2: <laughs> going too,
0: down too easy, letting that off, Frank McAvenny, didn't he? Yeah. Yes. Frank's uh, on here quite a bit as well. Oh, we Frankie boy. Have
3: you know, Franklin? Yes, many a time uh, and often, the Rialto. If he just he- sits at peace, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Frank's too
2: fidgety, hey, he? hey, He's distracted, he's always Tam, moving
3: a bit. Tam, here's an exclusive, right? Yes. Which is when you're in a studio. Oh you should not have conversations tell us? yeah tell it tell
2: it beautifully <laughs> Absolutely. Frank's best moment at the BBC was one that wasn't broadcast yeah. but it quite so easily could have been because he was in the studio he was doing uh, Kenny McIntyre had been doing a series of uh, special programmes with well-kent Scottish football celebrities who had been there and done it and wow Frank Maccabeni's been there and done it, Celtic West Ham, Scotland, a fabulous goal scorer in his day. Uh, and then you've got all the extras that go with Frank, the colourful lifestyle, etc. <laughs> but uh, so Kenny was in the studio with Frank and they're recording uh, this show. And then Kenny gets a call that he's got to go and take another call. So Kenny, pre-recorded in and out. Kenny says, Frank, I've just got to go and take a call now. Can you just I'll be back in two minutes? Ah, that's fine, that's fine. So Kenny went away, but Everything that was in the studio was still being recorded, right? <laughs> Frank's phone goes, and he thinks, well, I can answer it now, not, and he answers it. Now, somebody just <laughs> somebody trivial. later let me hear this, what was recorded, right? <laughs> Frank, Frank takes it as a joke now as well, but anyhow, all you can hear when I heard this audio of what happened, you hear just... Ring, 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 <laughs> then you hear Frank as he goes, hello. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> <Aye. laughs> Aye, uh, you're fucking right. <laughs> the neighbours must have thought I was fucking murdering you last <laughs> night. <laughs> And, I, and then I, when I was actually I said well I don't want to hear anybody I thought there might be some logging start Your he's talking in somebody's conversation oh no it, honestly I killed comedy I was, gold because oh,
3: you know he's having a conversation I think it was with a girlfriend down in Newcastle and he was talking about the night before
2: uh, uh, no it was, it was his, don't, don't get him and bother him after us it was his partner <laughs> and, it was and didn't partner. Newcastle. <laughs> uh, no, in Newcastle I... oh, no, <laughs> no he was no, living in uh, Newcastle Castle at the oh, time. All right, well, right. It, it was yeah. definitely his current, current partner. Yeah, yeah, we don't right, need yeah. to make that story worse than it was, but you know, it was great. Uh, after I'd heard it by sheer joy, uh, perfect timing, about a week later, I was doing a do up at Motherwell, MC and a do up there, and who had to go booked to speak yeah. at it but Frank McAvenney, oh. right? And I'm saying, I stood up, well, Frank mean, you know a lot about him, I says, but boy, uh, a wee thing that I learned recently about Frank, and I told that story. See, just when I started telling it, Frank, you you think he couldn't embarrass Frank? Back <laughs> then? His face went just increasingly scarlet, oh, but he loved it. He had a yeah. good laugh. At it. Frank can laugh at himself. That's what you should Right, what I wanted to ask
0: as well: Have uh, you ever received backlash from a player or a manager for something you've said on the show? Yes, yes. I'd, I'd, well, I
2: get one that was disappointed, and the guys back in the news. Now it was a few years ago, and in a column that I'd written for the record. Um then there on the Saturday in the morning today, the radio, the column was in the paper, and I got a phone call uh, with no number on it. And it was Cap Broadfoot ladling into me for the column that had been in the record that morning. But when I looked back at the column the only thing I thought he could have had any issue with was the headline. And I tried to explain it, it was his dad, he'd actually been out in Scotland somewhere aye, like uh Slovenia or somewhere like that. And it was his dad that had texted him or contacted him, all this fucking call me Tam Cowins a day, right? Uh, but it was a headline, now as anybody in 29 years in newspapers experience, I know for a, not, not once have I ever written a headline. They get done for you to make it them eye-catching yeah. or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times even the headline isn't necessarily 100% reflective of what's in the words below, you know. So headline was the headline that he'd taken this year, and I'm explaining that to him and all the rest of it. But it was a bit grumpy, shall we say, I tried to explain to him. And uh, then I says, well, you know what I really hate about this? I says, neither your dad nor you get in contact uh, when you go to your move for St. Mary to Rangers, well, there were a lot of folks slagging you. I had written another column saying, "Give the guy a wee, a wee break. He's gone. he up the ladder. On terms he fucked, but he's doing well in his career." And it was all thing that all the sticks in your throat. You'd have had St. Mary fans at times. So you'd can't kind of believe that Judas away to Rangers, not. But he'd have been trebling his money and yeah. whatever. And we always talk about yeah. any fan yeah. who's got a chance of moving to another job and getting a lot more money. They would, they, you wouldn't see them from dust, you know. So I'd been talking up. And I says, I didn't hear that, oh, I didn't see that and all, you know. So I says, Well, look, there it is. We hung up the phone, I says, all the best. He was out there representing Scotland, and that was that. And I went back and God, a lot of bother. I went, I went back. It turns out there was three occasions I had written words to that effect in the paper. And I got the actual print copies. I didn't copied. copy that. I got the actual print copies and I cut out the bits and I put them in an envelope along with uh, one of the producers at the time. Had got me a, a, effectively a, a CD of us talking about him in a club and that very thing about going for some money to the Rangers making me money, blah blah blah. and Backing the guy, and I, I basically put it on an envelope, sent it to kept Broadfoot, care of Rangers Football Club, Ibrox, Glasgow, and I never heard anything back. And I thought, oh come on, if you you know if you're going to complain, exactly, you yeah. know. Yeah. So, but that's it. So you know. See but,
0: that see that offer of triple on your wages. Have you ever had offers to leave off the ball and go in something
2: else? Well, where would you go? Sky? <laughs> no, where would you go? You couldn't. You couldn't. No, you, interested in Scottish uh, uh, market. Uh, 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 show wouldn't work the same. It wouldn't work the same in the telly, even if it was in the telly, the BBC. There's something. There's something. There's a totally different. Feel oh, there, remember that show.
3: time in radio a patronising way? The BBC decided that Radio Five right. Live. It was, must have been one of the Euros, was it? Euro? What was it?
2: Tie in with a Euro? Maybe Euro two thousand and eight? Was that and a Euro I, year? And they
3: decided they would have the Welsh show. The Northern Ireland other show the and the Scottish show. And then countries. we go on. We went on after an England game, was it? We went on
2: right after an England game. And it was England. 11 at night oh, f- We put it all in. Two there. and a half hours
3: and we just played a random through say it. So and, and you know what? We were getting things like, what is this show? Where's this coming from? Because England England's actually yeah. quite a bit tame. You oh, it really, really it. tame. And of course, so we so were so straight in their way. Uh, Beckham and his wife jokes and, you know, that one. Oh, and uh, I remember they were full of all those...
2: But you know what, we then... I, I, I even hands up and it's something I hate doing, but even because we were aware that night, we still did it in, for the BBC in Glasgow, but we were broadcasting on Radio 5 Live too, to the, the whole, whole of the UK, UK and beyond. And I know for a fact what I didn't like about it, we didn't do it too much. we is look, we'll just do this like a normal show. We're in a normal studio, so try not to be unsettled or anything. But, but I know for a fact... Uh, and probably for the the right reasons. I, I kind of maybe slowed down a wee touch. Mm-hmm. I maybe tried to speak ever so clearer, the wee bit of the telephone voice coming out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't particularly like it. We got a great, great reaction here. Yeah. Yeah. But if you said, oh, would well, you know like doing. You know, what if. I mean, let's say look, you get Alan Brazil and uh, Ali McCoy, not thing. Day Talks, but if you said, oh, would you like to do that? I would say no, because you would need to do English football as yeah. well. You know? yeah. So yeah. where we are now with the BBC, there, there's no really any other. Any other show in town, you know, and, uh, and sadly, and I mean that sadly, because I'm somebody that loves radio and I'm somebody that loves Scotland. The the commercial radio stations, you're increasingly hearing less and less Scottish voices yeah. on it. It's just all shows that have been been punted up, up. To, uh, especially and when and it's you know? music
3: and they they so put there's... the whole kind of computer music and say this is what we play. Oh, yeah. And you just think, well, it's not even selective. And yeah. then when they... You know, when Super Scoreboard comes on, it has to super serve Rangers and Celtic. Yeah, you
2: know, and yeah. they're not interested in Johnson it, it, it. I don't know. Well, I'm they're not interested in Celtic. I, listen to, I, I can't listen to a lot of stuff. So I, I quite enjoy. I like I, 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 Hugh Keevan's, a former colleague with the uh, Daily Reckoner, I've known Hugh for years. And I, 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 I helped him out with his daughter's charity and that, and uh, I know Huey well. And I, I, think, I think he's the the mainstay on that programme. Yep. He's good, he knows exactly how to play it. Mm. Huey plays a character when the he's on of Clyde Super Scoreboard, mm. you know. And then when you go back to the Halsean days, which, Nay football fan, um, you're loving in Scotland, you can avoid. And it was like Jimmy Sanders and that, and then mm. Jerry McNee, the great Jerry McNee, who answered us doing as The, the Crankies. He did go as us a call when we first started the show, mm. and he was. He was a wee back too serious, of course, Jan. He said, who are, who are these, these people that are up here now, the crankies on? And I mind writing to my column at the time, and it, and it meant a riled them was saying about, oh, it's strange that Jeremy Nee's thinking about us when he was wearing a school uniform. <laughs> 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 whatever, floats your, whatever floats your boat, <laughs> Jerry. So a
0: bit of backlash for Jeremy Nee, but tell him your biggest backlash was the article you wrote on women's football.
2: Women's football, yes. What I mean, was that, like to deal with? Well, to deal with it was great because I made a lot of friends out of it. I did the right thing. But there's nothing to be gained by genuinely... Offending or upsetting them, day, as I almost touched on before. If if somebody thinks, oh, I didn't like that column, then maybe they'll buy your paper again. Oh, didn't I like that show he did? They'll flick channels and they'll tell you, oh, the radio, not a flick uh, stations. So when I did my woman's foot column, uh what back, the back well, the backlash actually, if you like, if you can use that word, 9.9% of it. Was folk emailing and saying why why why's Tam suspend it after he won about women's football? He's done loads of calls but men's football and blah blah blah, taking the piss out of them for a while. But for him that didn't get in contact with me at the time, and uh, the first the first guy was a guy through away. Guy says me Tam, I've listened to you on that radio for years and you take the piss out of you every day. Blah blah blah. He says, but listen, my daughter plays the football. She comes in for work on a Tuesday night. She's got to get two buses to go to training, two buses back. He doesn't even get any expenses, and he's your slut. I says, right, whoa, whoa, whoa. I says, what's the name of your daughter's club? And he told me, and I says, right, I'll organise a wee fundraiser for a club. Went and put on a wee, like, what the have effectively being like a sportsman's dinner kind of thing. Put it on for them, raffles, auctions, all that kind of stuff. Raised plenty of money, didn't take a bean for it, of course. And I ended up doing that at about, I think, about 13, 14 women's football clubs in the country hood because at the end of the end they're saying oh thanks Tom and I said, no not a problem if then you were genuinely felt you were due an apology or you were upset and like there we go I'm sorry it was only ever anything that's ever perceived to have been something meets goat me and bother I, I, I can say hand in heart it always stemmed from a joke it was never me trying to be controversial or yeah. trying to have a goat for I, I think reflect,
3: but, reflecting back on it I mean there were two or three things one, one of the things was the timing because I think it was a Friday column, was it?
2: It was a Saturday column, column. and the Thursday night, the women's game that night had been on both BBC Television Live and BBC Radio Live. But
3: it was at the time when Life on Mars was the big TV show, had been the big TV show, and what they did was the record, if you actually go back to it, the record had set Tam up as the character from Life on Mars who right. couldn't deal with progressive politics, couldn't deal with change, I, couldn't deal uh, with women at the workplace, and all of that, and he made to be the parody of that. Because they yeah.
2: one page talking about the women's football, there's great strides they're making, right? And at the time when there was a lot of folk criticising it well, saying it was rotten and all the rest of it. they had me done up, photoshopped this other photo, the guy from uh, Ashes to Ashes. Ashes to Ashes, yeah. That was that, yeah. as if we were going back now to the 70s, yeah. and Pam yeah. right this, you know what I mean? That was that. But, I did all that stuff for the clubs, that was great. I then sponsored the Mother Women's team, I thought they had a better day, stand for the main club. And then I, and what was great, they then get back onto me a matter of months later, and I thought they're just at it here, now. I think they're my staff They says, Tam, uh, we're really needing some new match balls for the guy. Get- do, do you know anybody who, and I says, aye, right, okay, right, how much do you need? And they tell me, right, there he was, an we check. And then what was great, and I didn't get offended, they put after I'd donated money to buy them new match balls, they'd put an advert in the Mother match programme on the Saturday, inside back cover, and it was brilliant. It said, Come and watch the Mother ladies kicking Tam Cowan's balls up and down the park, right? <laughs> yeah. And I thought, ha 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 I thought, I'm no offended and that's that yeah. and you got on me. But the interesting thing was it's got to be interesting. Well, side. just
3: one wee side thing. It's quite interesting this, that we I mean we'd been doing a lot of things for clubs and everything and I, we'd, been go, we'd gone up to a Saints game, Motherwell couldn't have been playing or maybe Motherwell were playing St Johnstone at Perth and we'd gone up there and we'd done a wee bit way at the area, it's called Nine Wells, the playing parks up at Perth and we'd made presented player of the year awards to young age group women's players one of whom was a nine-year-old Lana Cleland, who then comes and scores that great goal oh, for Scotland yeah. and went to... She's at Fiorentina now in Italy. Um, and here was this photograph a me and Tam handing the, the Player of the Year award to this wee girl. I mean, she was a, literally a wee girl at the time, nine, ten-year-old. And that was long, 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 long before the controversy. Now, here's the girl at the height of the controversy is in her early 20s and playing for Scotland. So, to some extent, I think if... If the BBC had done something different and actually said to us, look, you actually need to go on and do a, a big show which is actually talking about women's football, and Stuart, you take the role of being the big ambassador and talk it up. Tam can have a wee laugh at it, it would have all kind of played. But yeah, bizarrely, at
2: before the 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 la- the ladies the women footballers started appearing on the telly. Yeah. we we'd had them on for years, haven't we? Yeah, we'd actually encouraged them times. for years before yeah. it was almost some box-ticking epi- yeah. uh, uh, episode. Be and the operation along the radio and television uh, studios, and now women are, are right across the board and they're, they're constantly on the BBC and ITV, Sky, BT Sport. We, we, we actively encouraged them before we always did the women on us. And the, and even the, one of the nice things, I remember I took a call around about the, the whole time in that, carry on, and uh, it was for uh, uh, Maureen McGonigal, um, who was the former... Uh, SFA, SFA advisor, SFA, yeah. You know, Women's the Women's Team, Football yeah. Association, right? And when I thought, when I knew it was her, and I thought, oh God, what's she going to say? And she says, Tom, she says, we better bother on that. Yep. She says, look, she says, the one thing I thought about when I read about all this is that when we launched uh, the first ever magazine for the women's game a few years ago, you were the only male for the Scottish media that bothered to come to the wee press lunch we had mm. she says so, so he could slaughter them
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: see what all this is going on did you think eh? did
0: you think you were going to need to look for a new co-presenter did you think he would get the sack
3: uh, Would well, you know what here's the honest truth and I didn't know this I've not even told you this we, we were, were out for our yeah. 25th year anniversary uh, uh, had a curry over and uh, Balbeers in the West End. And I'm slunk. Lovely. I, uh, I can do and, the salmon, and, superb. And uh, all the bosses that were there as well. And one of the bosses um, said to me over the table, he says, Oh, uh, Tam was very, very close to getting the tin tack. I mean, he said, it was just if you hadn't gone on air and kind of just done the whole kind of thing about, you know, the mayor copas, and I think I co-presented for, with a woman for two, three weeks whilst he was suspended, but they were telling me there that, I, that he was much closer to getting this act than I, I had imagined, you know, because I just thought to myself, you? you know, because the real offence, if there was an offence, was published in the Daily Record. It wasn't on air.
2: It wasn't yeah, on, the BBC, on the BBC, you know, yeah, yeah. so it's like a wee bit I think like, I think so Did BBC, you know that I tell how close you were at this Yeah, yeah. No, because, no, because I knew... That at, the, at the time on the day, it was horrible because I remember then when it, when it, it just I just caved in and I then found myself walking out of the building at about 5 to twelve, five minutes before we were due to go there, with the, the jacket on my shoulder and walking out with my bottom work, trembling. And it was like the end of the episode The, the Incredible Hulk when Dr David Banner then walks away into another town for another wee adventure and all that. And I thought, oh, God almighty, you know. And then I just, uh, so that was two weeks uh, I was out. Uh, but then we'd talks with the BBC and all the time, and I thought, right, I knew, I knew it was crap. I'm not, I'm not stupid, you know. And uh, But I made sure that when that, first day shows that I wasn't there that they were able to have a wee dig at me and I was saying to Stuart right well make your official reason is that we believe Tam's staying at home to a lot of fan mail yeah right Plumbing through all the emails and that, right? so that was the way to do it and again try to just deal with it in a jokey manner and even when we come back you know what there was a lot of you know there, there was a lot of uh, listeners who oh, couldn't wait here was a chance to go back at Big Mouth Cowan, right? He's always taking the piss out of the And there was folks in and loads of gags in about me, you know. Uh, and that was fine. We earned them and that was that. Like, mm. You move on. But
3: I think one of the things that it, it points up, and we've kind of hinted at this a couple of times, Simon, is that the world's moved now in a direction where there's an awful lot of anxieties around about what subjects you can talk about, about ways that way you can talk about it, what's acceptable, what isn't acceptable. And it isn't always to do just with areas like, say, for example, women's football, there was an awful lot of anxiety when when Rangers uh, imploded financially about what you could say, how you could describe it, and it started to become this whole kind of dance of the seven veils around what you were able to say, you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you're seeing it from the point of view of a fan of another club, you're just saying, they're gone, they're done, you know what I mean? And all the time there was this kind of thing about, oh, don't say that, and don't mention that. And this is not just in the BBC. You could see it in newspaper journalism as as well, I mean, I, I, I to this day, you still get this feeling that, you know, when they do these things where they say, we asked four of our columnists to answer the following four questions, you could even say that they've balanced it there. You know, will Celtic run away with the league? You know that two of them will say yes and two will yeah. say no. You know what I mean? So there's that kind of sense of how do you impose balance on things. And our show isn't meant to be balanced. It's meant to be in praise of the Diddy teams, you know. Mm. And so, you know, if it is the case that Celtic get a dune in Europe, you're not going to not laugh
2: at that, And the bottom way, Rangers' demise would... Fo- I mean, Foot used to say to me, my stock answer was... Uh, which, and I know it used to uh, annoy some of the fans of the Diddy teams, but I was only being honest. When somebody would ask me, did, did you want Rangers away down there playing in the league? What was the league squad at the time? Divi- it, was, it was Division 3. It was Division 3. And my simple answer was no. And the reason for that was, as uh, I've always said to Stuart, ideally, as a Muller fan, the two teams I want to beat is Celtic and Rangers. They're the we where, traditionally, if I'm there with my pals, if you beat Celtic or you beat Rangers they're the nights that you immediately go for a drink, you go for a curry. That's a yahoo night. Yeah. No offence to brilliant clubs like Aberdeen or Dundee United or Hearts or Hibs, but when you beat them, it's a kind of a so what. So actually, if you've if you pinned me to the wall and asked me, I would have sooner that Rangers... Had always been up in the top league and we us having a wee chance of getting a result. But the joy of them being out of the top league for me, Motherwell, I repeat, Motherwell managed to get into the Europe, Champions uh, League. Uh, no, yeah. not just the Champions, Champions League. league. Wow. Yeah. When the season that we were able to finish second, because it was Celtic and then AN Other, right? Mm-hmm. Then the year we got into second, before you know it, we had Panath and Icos up at Fir Park wow. uh, mm-hmm. for a Champions League game, you know. So, and another thing, we always go back with him, Devon. I've got. I was good pals that support Rangers, and, that. and they say to me about, that, about how if anybody was ever taking the piss out of Rangers or that or any club, I, I, I can always spill it back to when Motherwell went into administration in April 2002. I didn't get many sympathetic comments no. feeling Rangers fans <laughs> or on him or entered it. <laughs> it's Fatma. Yeah. And I know you, the folk then go down the other line and say, aye, but there was a lot of folk lost their jobs because of... Yep, and there was a lot of folk lost their jobs at Murrow because of that. People mm. that I know mm. uh, who lost their But that, and that shouldn't... Be, you should never allow that to overlap each other when you're talking yeah. about Fatma. Right, off the ball, future... Future. Well, dream guest. Who's the dream guest that you still to get? Dream guest that we still to get. oh uh, like? the one I, whenever I'm asked. So I, I would love to get Billy Connolly on, and Billy Connolly actually does love the show. Whenever he gets to hear it, he. And has
3: he ever we, been contacted? We
2: used him as a trail for a while. Well, you know what? Even in the same way that even guys currently involved in football in the past, when you when you current players, they were always harder to get than than former players. Former players maybe missed the wee bit of attention. So they they like the idea they can on a radio show or doing something like that, right? Current players, if you went to Celtic Rangers, let's say we tried to to get the the big boy Julian uh, centre-half at Celtic, right? You need to get through three layers of PR at Celtic and his agent and stuff, you know? And you'd end up just saying, no, 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 and he's training or he's he's got a game that day. Uh, You get the ex-players, it's fine. But the same with Billy Connolly. Wow, Billy Connolly. Uh, sadly the poor man's really ill just now. He's not doing as much work as he did. But when he was in, in the peak of his powers, yeah. how you meant to track down Billy Connolly for mm. a Saturday afternoon on off the ball when he might have been out in Australia or he might have been out in Los Angeles or something. But uh, we would love to get him on. Years ago he did but we effectively used as a trail. He was mm. speaking in an interview with I think Janice Forsyth. Yeah, yeah. And when he was saying about, is interviewing him again, about yeah. Is that right? Yeah, I and mean, yeah, when yeah. she's saying things like, you know, what is he you still miss about Scotland? I says, Oh well, when I come back, and I knew anywhere he, he says. I love listening to that show with the guys on a Saturday, just talking about the football and talking in their own tongues and all that, and about you know. So we thought, wow, how really, much i really, buzz really is Oh, it was uh-huh. I started, I, I, even a wee buzz just thinking back to now. So we used that for a long time yeah. as a wee trail for our program, you know. Okay. So he would be—he's not, apart from the fact he's—he uh, he, he does go and see Celtic when he's here. I was going to say he's not really a football guy uh, in terms of football player, but he—he he is a dream guest. Uh, he'd been a man for me, and if it was just a pure football name, some that I would love to. Do, if own. it would be easy for me to mention Motherwell heroes and all that. But I do think just it'd be a fascinating guess. Would be Sir Alec Ferguson. Mm. I think he'd be great. Uh, I like only
0: watches this so. Yeah. yeah.
2: Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> well, do you know what?
3: Here's a funny story. Right, going back to my days at NME, Uh, it was the first night of a famous uh, Raising Hell tour, Run DMC and the Beastie Boys, and they were starting their tour in Philadelphia, and the NME had said to fly over and just preview the tour, we'll get big photographs of Run DMC and the Beasties, put on the cover, and you do a couple of thousand words over a double page spread, and it'll be the top... Uh, top-selling kind of item of the week on the NME. So I did, I flew over, and I had always this thing, it goes back to my days in the northern soul scene, I'm always looking for who's emergent and coming up, and the top uh, DJs and MCs in Philadelphia at that time were Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So anyway, I'm interviewing them in this really nice hotel in Centre City in Philadelphia, and I'm chatting away, do the interview, I did a little piece on them uh, at the end of the tour uh, guide, the tour uh, spread and they're sitting down there and uh, my photographer who's a guy called Lawrence watson Law, came over to me and he says well oh, I'm going upstairs to watch the game and he says but you're not coming because I know you want England to get beat right and it was an England game right so I says to Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince you want to watch this game and he said yeah and I says, we'll come up my room and we'll get a beer and whatever so Jazzy Jeff wow. and the Fresh Prince are sitting there watching this game we get the beers out and, of course, uh, midway through the first half, a gentleman, you might have heard of him, uh, Diego Armando Maradona, scored a great goal with his header, right? Yeah. And uh, at the, right? uh, the hand of God, I'm that? going, absolutely mad and then of course he got uh, the second goal and wondering what the hell's going on here who's this guy this guy's weird you know and all of that and that was with the Fresh Prince and, and, and Jazzy so Jeff so you're wanting to get him wow. back on the show
2: oh back I mean, on he can tell that story well exactly as long as he doesn't bring his annoying fucking boy <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know he's had is it Jader or
0: something uh, uh, I, I wonder how he yeah. got
2: all the age yeah. <laughs> oh we are so yeah
3: but we but funnily enough Jazzy Jeff <laughs> two summers ago Jazzy Jeff came through to play the sub club in Glasgow, and I was uh, doing an interview with him for the sub club, and he remembered the Maradona hotel goal, oh, and he I said, I, I, well, "I said I would never have known it was you, but you know, I remember being in the hotel room and a boy jumping over the settee when the goal went in and everything, so that's it."
0: Tremendous. Uh, last question: uh, How much longer can you see yourself doing
2: it? Oh, as long as we're able to get a facelift. <laughs> 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 Uh, You know, I was uh, 50 in April. I'm still a young, young man. Uh, Stuart's a wee bit older than me, but got all his faculties, his joggy tops, relatively clean bill of health. And I think it'd only be, it sounds a terrible, terrible cliche and a lot of folks say it about uh, keep doing it as long as you're enjoying it. But to be honest with you, for us to get in a Saturday meet up for a week, cup of coffee in the morning, uh, then get paid to talk shite in the radio for a few hours about football. Mm-hmm. When we would actually be, because we would just be fans we'd be going to see our teams at every game, yeah, yeah. we'd be talking the same shite in the car or at the pub or at the stadium while watching our our, our team. So mm-hmm. we get to there in a radio studio, we get to meet. You're talking about who you would really like to have on. There, there's been so many names that we have had on. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've found that i a guest, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it to mull. we're on the show. I've had Stevie Kirk, who was an ultimate hero for 91. We've had Willie Pettigrew, who was my biggest hero growing up, you know. Uh, David, with, you know, uh, David <laughs> Clarkson. David Clarkson, there we go. Uh, so, you know, for, for me to be in a position where uh, you can enjoy that, it's, it's, it's kind of punch yourself stuff to the point that there's been many Time in the past, uh, I have have, have stolen a wee bit of the the butterflies when you a, a certain guest or a certain face comes in. Could you could it only work for two years? If one year's left, would it be would it be done? I think it would be difficult. Very difficult. Folks say, yeah. folks say, I mean, whatever it is that. Us two have got it together. Folks always say "As we, we take our respective holidays. We we used to do a lot more planning on our holidays. We yeah. bathed that was before we bathed families, and we would almost try and look at the diaries and say, Right, if you're going to wear the first three weeks, the, I'll go away the later three weeks, and then that means that there's always still one of us there. Yeah. But there have been times in the last the last few years where we thought, well, you know, life goes life on, goes you on know, yeah. You can't yeah. always dictate that. And we have yeah. had uh, a few shows where neither of us is there. No mm-hmm. now, nah, harmly us been filling in and then they like died it's a funny. horrible <laughs> death no, <laughs> it's folk, no no it's all folk that we know and all that well they died a thing. horrible <laughs> death <laughs> I mean, hey, No, yeah. this
3: is him been one of these two faced <laughs> no, guys who will tell <laughs> you the truth <laughs> no not at all no they were rotten <laughs> no,
2: I, I, would, I would have been delighted if they died a horrible <laughs> death because that keeps <laughs> us being welcomed back but no they were, and they did a job but folks say me, ah, it doesn't sound the same without you and then folk will say that respectively if one of is no there maybe you know the wee bit of chemistry is no the same so aye but but by and large we're always there and even to the point God when I think back um, we, the two, two stories I'd already had my holidays the year uh, that Stuart got married so I I basically imagine I, I snubbed the RSVP no Stuart way. I'm not going to you because I'll be there for the show and that was a wee bit as well uh, maybe a wee bit insecurity not wanting to yeah. make sure one is there with the show. Yeah. The other thing we did when I got married in two thousand and five, which was on the Saturday, it was the one and only time we pre-recorded a show. Mm. Me and Stuart pre-recorded the shows on the Friday so we could both be at the wedding on the Saturday. And that was a mixture we didn't want our folk to do the show. Mm-hmm. And thinking back to the fees then, we didn't want to mess with our oh, 50 <laughs> 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 That when Stuart said that when Stuart was a, a, an usher at the wedding, and Stuart said that when he welcomed everybody in about how the fact that uh, while the rest of you are here at a wedding spending a fortune at the bar just because being here we're actually earning money. because <laughs> <laughs> we pre-recorded the show mm-hmm. so I so to answer your question i think i don't understand i would just just i'd love to celebrate with the silver anniversary this year i would love to celebrate the golden anniversary of off the ball 25 years for now. be fantastic.
3: Well, do you know what? I'll be talking very much about vascular
2: dementia <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and I'll be, I'll be, You'll
0: I'll be by I'll yeah. be 75.
2: There you go. We've had guests in the show being older than 75. Then. Yeah, you know,
3: the other thing about it is, I, I know this is really kind of daft thing to say, but I've always had uh, a belief in life about keeping yourself young. And for me, it's young of mind rather than necessarily young in the physical age. You know, I read a lot, I, I watch a lot, I'm, I'm still obsessed like a child about Scottish football and that you know there's not an awful lot catches me out. When I'm caught out on the show, it tends to be that I've forgotten a guy that went from Morton to Port Vale or something like that. You know, it's not yeah. ever ever anything that really kind of catches you out. And I, I guess now I'm not as clued up in English football as I was when I was a kid for the very simple reason that there's not as many Scots down there. Mm-hmm. And that it's not, it doesn't really interest me. I'm not that interested.
0: Guys, it's been a pleasure.
3: Thanks.
2: Yeah, thank you. For, you. Thanks, Tim. Hey, Simon, Thank sorry you